0: You ready? Let's do it. Hello, and welcome to Interface. Oh, what is happening right now?
1: (laughs) My name is Andrew Littlejohn. Thank you for listening. I'm here with my two good friends, Ian Fuchs and Chase Musil. So, Chase, I heard that you had a kid a few years ago. Now, you want to talk about toys that that kid could use to potentially further themselves in the field of STEM?
0: Yeah, I'm Uh, really excited to talk about it. I think there's a lot of really cool things out in the field right now. Um,
1: One second, Ian. I'm talking to I'm talking to Chase.
0: Hello, and welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lilja. I am the real Andrew Lilja, except no substitutes. Um, With me, as always, are Chase Musil, Ian Fuchs, and today we have a special guest, maybe you might find out later. So, Chase, I heard that you are really interested in these fancy high-tech toys for your kids, whereas Ian's children will just have to play with wooden cubes. (laughs) Oh,
1: wow. Sticks, dirt. Sticks and dirt. Grass. What a a sad future when they won't be able to operate all of their equipment at school. No, I I don't care. Um, So... I, Sarah and I have been looking to, at some of these like STEM focused tech toys, right? And there's a whole bunch of them, and they see. I feel like they exploded in popularity two years ago. Like I felt like I saw a lot of them, and then since then, toy I, companies realized that parents really want their kids to play on an iPad all the time, and so I I specifically don't like the iPad ones actually. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not and that's because it's on an iPad. If only it was an Android. No, um, oh, no, bird. I don't like the tablet ones very much. Um, my favorite ones are the ones that are like. You use some type of like physical blocks, or you're like writing on paper or something, and then you can either like use the like a tablet or something, take a picture of it, and then like your character does something with it. Or better yet, the purely physical ones, like there's a board game like blocks. Oh man, what's the board game one? I'll look it up really quick. But the board game one has no like digital components. It's called Oh Code Monkey Island, and like just all the movement to the board game itself is all like programming esque. You know, like you know pre coded or like. Preset moves or whatever, so you can play them on cards. So I really like all these different. I like the majority of these different toys, whatever. I'm just not a big fan of the ones that are like sit on your tablet all day. Like that doesn't do it for me. Right, (laughs) right. Um,
0: Ian, counterpoint. Um, I mean, for me, I'm. I mean, obviously, with a six-week-old daughter, it's hard to say like what toys is she going to have in two years or three years, and like what's going to be available, but. But at least at this point, as, as CJ and I talk about what we want her to have as she grows up and the kind of toys we want her to, to use, we want them to be much less screen-oriented because we're just trying to reduce screen time just in general. Um, mm-hmm. And so we've talked things like Legos or Duplos and um, there was a thing... Wooden cubes. like like the, Yeah, like the building blocks, stuff like that. There was a thing... I want to say they were called capellas, but I could be wrong. That was like these ball things and some of them had little sprockets in them and you could like build moving little like robots out of them. They just, they like slid together with these little octagonal connecting pieces. They were kind of like Legos, but a little less swallowable. Um, And the idea was that you'd build these like robots or like, and they were little floaty things and ones with wheels and you could make them in the tub or the to go outside in the dirt or whatever. And so those are things that, that I had as a kid that I remember were, were really good for me to learn how to do things. You, lo- mm-hmm. you learned those, um, those tactile, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Spatial reasoning and awareness skills yeah, to motor skills. It sounds like that's on your mind for. Um, <laughs> you, you learn yeah, those motor skills. motor skills, but you also right. get the, the creativity and the imagination. And, mm-hmm. and so those are the things that, that, at least at this point, that I think are things we want to focus on for her as she grows up a little bit. And try, like I said, try to avoid the things that, that rely on a computer. And then obviously when she gets a little older, things like Legos can be kind of filling that niche. And then Lego has their whole uh, robotics set that I can't think of the name of right now, Mindstorm. I don't know if that's still. Oh, drummers. Is. I don't know if that's what it's called. Oh, yeah, Mindstorms, absolutely. That's for a little older kids. You get a little bit older, and some of that has the computer interface or the iPad interface where you can actually now interface with the thing, but most of the creativity happens not on a screen, and it's all doing a thing or building a thing. So, for us, it's just avoiding that whole sitting in your basement by yourself and playing games. A lot of the research is that... um, you the more that kids have access to flexible like uh, non-specifically directed tasks so like legos yeah. are a really good example because like you just give them a pile of legos and then say build something and they don't have any direction they don't have any requirements or anything like that they just get to build whatever they want they could do experiment and try and fail things yeah whereas Liz, there's other things that are much more structured and while those can be fun they're they're not as good because they just they say like here's the thing to do do this thing the kid's like okay just follow these instructions and now i made a thing
1: Yeah, this is. So I think there's a place for all of this. I mean, I'll say that like I'll probably have Aubrey, like she's already started to be have been exposed to a lot of this at three and a half. Um, But hers is all exposure and moderation because, like, there's times where she just wants to sit and play Nintendo, like like she just wants to sit and play Mario on the Wii U or whatever. Like, and she and if she hasn't played games or whatever for the day, then we'll let her play for like an hour, especially if it's like. I don't know, like after dinner, and she ate or whatever. You know, it's also like it's also a a reward. So we use we like to use games as our reward incentive in place of candy or treats or something, just Mm -hmm. because we don't have a lot in the house and it's not something we really want to encourage. So that's we've used that as a substitute incentive in a lot of ways. And then, um, but also, my favorite toys that we have are like so legos are one and she's just getting to the point where she's big enough to do legos she's but she's really good with duplos but duplos are really expensive and they only use them for a short amount of time so i'm trying to like just as mm-hmm. you know you don't want to invest too much but um
0: but they interface with legos duplos are the right size that you can use regular lego bricks with them it, it, duplos and legos do not interface yes, they, do. they absolutely do du- they duplos do are specifically a size so that like if you have the oh you can put legos within them duplo block oh. you can yep. get four Two by four Legos across the top,
1: oh, the I mean, so I have like so you, all those sitting next to each other, nicely segregated. Right,
0: so, you, so you could build like ninety percent of your wall and Duplos because they're going to make the wall quicker and more oh, efficiently. That's good. And then you could make the fancy decoration at the top out of Legos because then you get the precision of the Legos.
1: Uh, I had no idea. Well, and actually, we
0: two by four Lego bricks will fit on top of um, two Duplo studs. Aha. Okay. Well, that's
1: good to know. Anyhow, um, they're
0: made by the same company that they work together.
1: Yeah, that does make sense. Um, I've never once tried to stick a Duplo to like, cause I never had Duplo blocks as a kid. So it's just showing my own limitations. Um, anyhow, but I re- she's just in the age where like Legos are a big deal. And so we've like, we'll open them and, you get into like the Lego movie scenario where like we're making the thing and she'll like start in the middle of constructing it through the instructions. She'll be like start making her own thing? I'm like, no, what are you, you're ruining it. (laughs) Um, but normally what we've done now is we'll build through like the, the book once. And then after it's built, she immediately wants to tear it all down and just build whatever she wants. And so, right. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's where we're going. So they're like the free play sort of like go make your own stuff. Um, I think as a kid, it's just like, like she just grabs toys like it's a lot of like Wonder Woman running around with like you know Unikitty and whatever Twilight from Pony My Little Pony or whatever and they're like all playing together and so anyhow the free play is still the majority of our time I just want to start introducing like the concept like of hierarchical thinking and problem solving with with programming and you can do that in a, with a lot of these toys I'm sure that we'll probably get one or two of them because I want to pick one of them to introduce that that thinking set what I think is really cool is the potential for these things to allow kids to do stuff that they couldn't
0: do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there's this hackaball, which is like it sort of uh, it's designed. Usually, it, it's a it's a programmable ball. It's got like lights and speakers and stuff inside of it. But really, the 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 meat of it is the um, the programming language that you can do in the iPad. And the idea is that it allows kids to make games on their own, and it's designed around the idea that like they can do whatever they want with it. But specifically, they should make games with it so they can try new things out and, and like build rules into it.
1: That's cool. You know,
0: I really like this one because it, it, while it used, you know it's got the tablet and everything, I, I like the idea that it's freeform enough because it's got a lot of power in the tools. But also, it uh, encourages kids to like work together and figure out how to do things like be social, and and make up rules and make games that everybody can play with and enjoy, and that kind of thing.
1: My daughter came to say hi to me. <laughs> Look at that. What is she going to go play with now? Aubrey, what are you going to... Actually, here, a real-time Aubrey. What are you going to go play with? What toys do you want to play with right now? This is excellent radio. Are you going to play with any toys right now? Nope, she's not going to respond. Okay. Okay. Nope. I think she's still waking up. <laughs> Anyhow. Okay, sorry. Um Right, so there's these nice toys that uh <laughs> there's toys that are a little more freeform, right? They're sort of like the Lego, if you will, like more like I can make these things that it's open there's less constraints on them, open creativity. I can do what I want with them. Yeah. Oh free play type stuff, right? And it's nice that some of these offer experiences that you couldn't get otherwise. And that's really the, what we're talking about. That's what, yeah, you're saying is valuable. But sometimes it was,
0: so I think about that and I'm like, but also like, shouldn't I just like say to my kid, here's the things, use your imagination.
1: So I think, I think again, it's all sort of in moderation because like I want Aubrey to be able to, Oh, you want to build Legos? Okay. We can build Legos in just a little bit. We can build a Lego car in just a little bit. So she wants to play Legos. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, um, I think that there's a nice place for like, Hey, let's learn these skills. So you use whatever your particular, you, you use a toy or whatever to learn. Like, this is how the, you learn the fundamentals of this you know particular concept. And then once you get the fundamentals, then you say, here's free play. Um, it's, I feel like it's a little bit like, Hey, I need to learn how to program this thing. And so you just like go to stack overflow and you're like learning how to do it on your own. But it'd be pretty nice if you learned a tutorial that gave you like the, the basic bits. Right. But I, I and so many other questions too
0: is like, is the stuff that these toys purportedly do actually like are they actually doing it is anybody going to play with like this Fisher-Price code caterpillar and then like in 15 years actually be any good at writing abstract <laughs> yeah. code like No I don't like, I don't think that's like, it like the Fisher-Price yeah. language isn't isn't some standardized thing. No. it's not like it's teaching them a functional programming language for later in life it's Right No it's it's a drag it's and, like and drop thing right? it. it's like you're but it's the same, you're interested it's, in this thing It's the same thing as Mindstorm there was like a, with their their Desktop app that you'd use to actually program this little robot, there was a programming language to it that you could drop in. But yeah. it never trans, like, I knew how to do that really well. It didn't make me a good JavaScript programmer or something like that. like Oh, wait, really? That's funny. So I did Lego Mindstorms for years and years. Like, at, this sounds so dorky at a competitive level. And, um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And actually, we got, we did well enough. We got to go to the world tournament in Europe at one point. But, um, it, the the stuff that I learned to do in that actually taught me uh, how to do like real programming later it, down the line. It taught me a lot of the sort of fundamental. It, it stuff teaches like you that. the fundamental. It teaches you the logic things. If this, this, you know, thing, things like that. Yes, those those skills are there. But I'm, I'm saying, like, from a a programming language standpoint, it's it's not something that you couldn't learn in any type of logical problem solving situation anything that's if this then this can teach you basic programming skills it doesn't have to be actually a programming thing
1: yeah i i think that it sounds like with you ian like you got the concept you're good at it it just didn't take for you in the sense of like i am not transitioning now to do like full-fledged programming where it obviously worked for andrew more like in a direct line
0: well that's <laughs> why it, so it wasn't it was just that the skills that I, some of the knowledge and, and techniques that we picked up, like debugging and scientific testing and that kind of thing, when I was doing later programming, it was like, oh, I've already know how to, I know how to do this. I already have this skill from the time that I spent doing later like, robotics.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. But still, like I, I was saying, it just sounds like yours took where it's not like Ian's right. didn't or whatever. It's just that like you didn't, Ian, you didn't step into a role where it was required, the, maybe as much or whatever. The, tra- the, so the you,
0: transition from from mindstorm to actually doing the programming stuff. I didn't, in, in my mind, I didn't make the same kind of connection, apparently, as Andrew did. Sure. Like I said, the, the logic stuff, yeah. for sure. I, there were logic things that I learned within doing that that I really enjoyed that I'm sure translated over. But from mm-hmm. a, a more functional, like, specific level, I didn't get the same thing out of, like, the Lego stuff as I did. Or that the translated into the programming stuff. Yeah. I wonder how much of what I learned was because of how structured of an environment I was actually doing it in. So, we just got done how about free play, but I wonder really because I did so much of it where it was a tournament and there were rules and goals mm-hmm. and tasks and that kind of thing that actually that made it it stick more for me.
1: So I think I think that's really important to have that combination and that's what I was getting at. Like I think you introduce and you can do a lot of like hey, let's get you some core knowledge and you, you do all that within these constrained scenarios and so I don't I like we briefly talked about this previously but like I think think there's something to be said for constrained learning environments where here's a challenge and here are your constraints and now be creative around them as opposed to here's a box of Legos, build me X, right? Like build me a race car.
0: Instead, it's here's the directions to make
1: this particular race car or this Star Wars toy, follow the instructions and build it. Or like build a race car, but you can only use blue bricks, right? Like, you know, or something. So I... I feel like the constraints are what help you think creatively to make these solutions. And then as you right. go forward in your new free form, and this is actually, we're literally defining what an expert is someone who has multiple mental, mental schemas. So as That's you broaden good. your mental schema range, you become a more and more accomplished, you know, artist in it, your particular craft.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Um,
0: and you also, you develop sort of, you have this into, so my research in grad school is into intuitive expertise, uh, as luck would have it. And, um, so you, yeah, you develop these schemas, and so I think it gets to a point where kids might learn things from here and then not know that they've learned them, and then when it comes down later, they've perhaps the skills that they've acquired uh, they can figure out how to use how to apply them in other situations without even knowing that they're applying them. I wonder if there's any long term studies between kids who learn through toys like this and kids who don't, and how successful they are at certain tasks down the line, or just like in
1: life. I wish there was a nice longitudinal study on this type of stuff but yeah. especially with all like all the toys that we're talking about that are coming out in the last, you know, year or two or today or whatever like we just don't have any idea because conceptually a lot of these are brand new like how do you integrate these like digital environments with physical blocks or how do you right. do this like open programming with a ball or whatever so like like well, what we, does- we do know that
0: kids who spend more time playing with like Legos and, and blocks and that kind of thing have better spatial reason- reasoning
1: skills than kids who do not Okay yeah well that makes total sense I think – so what the, the idea is then is if you can – at least – so in my mind, what I would like to do is take a toy that affords your child to learn basic concepts and structures, learning in a way that they have the fundamentals for moving forward, and then you transition them into open, like, problem-solving environments. And so it's not just like – and you can do the, like, here's, the, here's your sandbox, go play in it. And a lot of kids are really good at that. Like, I can look over at Aubrey, and she'll just be, like, playing with random toys, and she has her own story totally going on. She's, like, lost in her imagination. And then, like, I try to drop in, and I'm the one who has, like, the bad imagination at this point. And I thought I was, like, like, I'm a reasonably imaginative adult. Like, I like to play stuff, but I find myself, like, locked into, like, I'm stuck in, like, fantasy paradigm, or I'm stuck in, like, sci-fi paradigm or whatever, Mm -hmm. where Aubrey's just, like, grabbing anything from everywhere. And if you have a child that can do that, which I think is most... And you've already taught them the fundamentals of whatever skill you want to talk about. I think that's a really powerful combination for getting them to make really cool stuff as they move forward. One of the things that I think is neat is this um, Bloxels game. Um, and
0: Ian, you were you were less into this than I was. So it's this um, it's a thirteen by thirteen grid, and you fill it with these little plastic cubes. And then you take an iPad, and you take a picture of it, and it's a tool that lets you build a game. So you physically make like the pixel art and that kind of thing and using these cubes on this board and then you make it all fit together in the game itself. And I think this is really cool because it's sort of, it's a combination of structure because it lets you build a game in sort of some specific ways and and you have these limited tools, but at the same time it's very freeing because you don't necessarily have to do it the way everybody else did. You have a lot of opportunities to combine uh, different resources together. And I I I definitely think it's neat as, as a concept. And I think part of my, my lack of, excitement about it right now is that I'm very much looking at uh, a much shorter term for L because mm-hmm. when I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, what she can be playing with in two to five years, not what she gonna be playing with in 10 years or 12 years. And I think obviously when she's 12 years old, 13 years old, she's going to have had screen time. She's going to have played on an iPad and a computer and stuff like that. God help me if she doesn't. Um, so, at that point, I would be much less offended by the idea of her building something in the real world and using an iPad to somehow animate it. But right now, yeah. like I said, I'm I'm looking much more short term. It's like she needs less screen time and to do to do less of that kind of stuff. How can I keep her entertained and give her the things that she needs to learn and and grow, but not, you know, um, inundate her with here's an iPad, here's an iPhone, here's a TV, here's a computer.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't think the solutions are like here. Hold this iPad and look at all the apps I bought you on the App Store, right? Like that's it's not the solution. I People. think there's. I, I know that that's the thing. I know I, I know, I'm not and I'm not denigrating parents who have done that because everybody has to do like I'll say this first foremost as a parent. You have to do what you need to do to be successful with your child. Like do the best you can, right? So if that's what's working for your kid, great. I'm, that's they're fortunate that they have that uh, that opportunity. So, um, but because we're fortunate enough to be able to like look at some of these different options and, you know, make these choices, um, just trying to make the ones that we think are best for our own children. So, I don't know. I think like watching a generation that a generation after us, or like the half generation after us, or whatever you want to call like the Minecraft kids. But like watching them go through and spend a lot of time, probably alone on the computer playing Minecraft and living within that the constraints of that world, and then like, seeing all the amazing things that come out of it. Like I'm really impressed, and I think there's a lot of cool stuff that has happened because of those because of that environment and those constraints. I just I think it, I think a key difference or a key thing I would execute you there is that I don't think kids who are doing a, a lot of Minecraft
0: are doing it independently. I think they're doing it in multiplayer.
1: I mean, I, I know kids play Minecraft multiplayer, but like, I feel like there's a healthy amount of like, I'm going to watch this YouTube streamer, learn how to do the oh, thing they're yeah. teaching me how to do it. And now I'm going to do it myself. And I feel like that's all sort of asynchronous, independent learning. Yeah. But I agree with you. I know that there's yes. like plenty of private servers and like kids playing multiplayer with their friends, which is amazing. Like thinking of the analogies of like having your like neighborhood block as a, you know, as a kid and like all the kids running around your block. Now you have your neighborhood server and all your friends play on your yeah. Minecraft server. That's really yeah. cool. It's very good. It's very compelling. Yeah. And it could be really transformative when these kids are, you know, our age. For sure, yeah. I think it opens a lot, a lot of uh, potential. Just as you were exposed to something, like I feel okay moving forward in this field or this area because I have this foundation to move forward on. So your mindstormers' experience, we're able to, you know, not only did you use the skills that you learned there, whether or not and that's important is probably less so, but more that you had exposure and were familiar with it, so now you have confidence to move forward.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. So Minecraft is shaping the architects of the future. I think it's, yo, gonna, it's more just architect the- it's designers and programmers and it because it, it it's spatial reasoning and interactivity and a, there's a lot of collaboration that's required in it too
1: yeah i think that minecraft is going to be a huge a huge influence on people moving forward for this type of stuff but yeah, i mean totally. there's tons of other things right like we still have lego there's still just toys like go down the toilet and buy like action figures and make your own stories or whatever right there's all sorts of different things so
0: I mean- And they're still tossing your kid on their butt outside and saying, make your own fun. I don't want to see you for the next three
1: hours. (laughs) That that is such a generational shift. I feel like parents just don't do that anymore.
0: I think it's a locational thing, too. Like, if you live in a city, that's much less likely to happen than it is if you live in a small town. Where it's like, I feel safe sending a child outside in small town Iowa. It's so funny because in new york in the 80s when it was super unsafe like just in general like there'd be kids roaming the street all the time because parents would just say i don't want to see you in this tiny apartment get out go play come back for dinner yeah
1: Yeah. different they just don't have a touch point for that yeah
0: yeah Uh, i guess on that you can find show notes for this week's episode at interface.fm slash 30 while you're there wow links to all the social things and as always thank you for being a listener or subscriber we'll be back next monday and every monday like clockwork
1: i didn't mention goldie blocks damn do you have you guys heard of have you heard of goldie blocks no no i haven't it's i saw it's the just, link it's just like engineering legos for girls so it's I, and I'm I'm not entirely convinced that like I like the idea of like targeted right toys or whatever. But I also recognize that, and I'm not saying this is like, this isn't Goldie Blocks, but just in general because I've seen a number of these like, but bo- a lot of toys are pretty masculine, right, or whatever. And there's some of these toys that are trying to be more feminine for the girls. And it's not that I don't like feminine ones because I actually like Goldie Blocks a lot, and that's an example I really like, and I wanted to stay around and keep going. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. There's something also that's like we need to have girl and boy versions of everything. I guess I don't know enough about the area to confidently speak. Like, do you actually need gender targeted, um, toys to be, to help that a so, particular gender be more successful? Or can everything just sort of be androgynous?
0: Everything could be androgynous. The problem is, and it's, this is not an issue with the kids. It's an issue with the parents. Uh, and I know this based on some of my Facebook timeline, which I know is a very informal polling group to, to base this off of. No, that's very scientific. But, but look, I mean, it is—it's it, actually a pretty, pretty widespread type of, no, of people. Yeah. Um, that there are certain people who are very, very hell bent on my child is male or my child is female, and everything must be yeah. male or must be female. <laughs> and like, I look in mm-hmm. in the drawer and Trump voters. <laughs> I look in the drawer or the closet in in Elle's room, and I look at her clothes, and I'm like, God, ninety percent of her stuff is like kind of boyish because we didn't know. So we just bought like yeah. gender neutral, but gender neutral yeah. tends to
1: lean more boy. That's funny. Yeah. The, the gender stuff, just, um, we have all of Aubrey's toys and Bennett will continue to use all of their toys. So he's got a lot of pink shit and he's just going to keep like, he, he exclusively jumps in place in his pink extra saucer thing that we buy, you know, used for yeah. Aubrey or whatever. Yeah. Like he doesn't give two shits what color yeah. it is. Right. Like there's no, re- well, I'm not rebuying that stuff. <laughs> But he's certainly giving you some shits. He he's a little Boom. That, was, that was real good Yeah no nice <laughs> very nice <laughs> <laughs>